right, welcome back, everybody, to a, uh, another edition of the Green Room. This is a special edition of the Green Room. This is actually, I guess, the Blue Room or whatever. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of Michigan basketball. Um, we we uh, talked Michigan State with Charbonneau yesterday. Their early run for the NCAA tournament, they start with a playing game. Uh, you can check out that podcast at DetroitNews.com. But today we're going to actually talk about Michigan uh, with uh, the esteemed Michigan beat writer James Hawkins. Uh, is joining us bright and early here on Monday morning. Um, Michigan has uh, – they they don't know who they're playing, and I'm not sure it matters. They play Mount St. Mary's or Texas Southern um, in their first game. Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern playing a play-in game, and then they will play in Michigan uh, Saturday, 3 o'clock at Mackey Arena. Uh, both Michigan and Michigan State actually start in Mackey Arena. Um, Michigan, uh, a little bit of an interesting story here, James. Uh, they – they look so damn good all year long. Uh, I mean, just wildly impressive, beating great teams by double digits and just blowing teams out of the water. But a little bit of rough waters in the last the last five games. They lost three of five going into the tournament. I guess what's the um, what's your feeling going into this? I mean, if I asked you this two weeks ago, I think a lot of people would be expecting a, a run to the Final Four. But I I got to be honest, I haven't seen one national pundit pick them to make that prolonged of a prolonged of a run right now. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I mean, this is the time of year, obviously where you want teams to be peaking, right? I mean, this is what Michigan was under, you know, former coach John Beeline. This was it, you know, every time they made a deep run, they, it was always Michigan was peaking at the right time. You know, they went through their ups and downs during the season, but they always kind of found their stride late in the season. Um, and I mean, I guess that's the question with this team. I mean, did they, did they peak too soon? I mean, obviously, like you said, they're, destroying the competition um, throughout the Big Ten play. And then even even when they went on that, you know, the the two-week shutdown, they had the 23-day the layoff or 24-day layoff or whatever it was. They come right back from that, and they win like five in a row. And then it's like almost like they, you know, they never skipped a beat. Um, but, yeah, but now here they're, they're, they sputtered down the stretch, losing three of five. And, um, and I mean, yeah, they got hammered by Illinois. They, they fell to, you know, Michigan State. Um, you know, one of Izzo's maybe worst Michigan State teams he's had in a while. Um, and then, yeah, they, they had the the late rally um, and come back against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament uh, semi semifinals. Um, uh, yeah, to, for that one-point loss. But, yeah, I mean, definitely, I think there is, is some concerns uh, with this team. Um, but I think I guess you could flip it, um, uh, make it a positive, I guess, just in the sense that Michigan is going to get out of the Big Ten um, so the scouting, you know, it's not going to be as uh, in depth for the yeah. for the opponents, which is going to manipulate to their advantage. But uh, but yeah, I, I definitely I think just just given what we've seen from you know previous teams uh, at Michigan, you know, it was always the big thing was that you know they had the momentum and they were, they seemed to be peaking at the right time. But this team, um, obviously, they they looked like the juggernaut for most of the year. But now, um, kind of heading into the the most important time of the year, they looked they look uh, plenty vulnerable. Yeah, I. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out the Michigan State loss. I, I think that there's no concern there. They won the Big Ten championship in the previous game, and I, I thought that if they did that, that, uh, you know, they go into that final game where they didn't have much to play for and Michigan State had everything to play for, and that's kind of how it looked on the court. I mean, and Michigan State did what they had to do. They had to have that game to get into the to get in the NCAA tournament, clearly, because they were ended up being one of the final two teams in with UCLA. Uh, from the at-large perspective, um, the Illinois game was a little bit, uh, a little bit of a, uh, an eye opener. 
uh, in Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. And actually, we talked to NCAA Selection Committee Chairman uh, Mitch Barnhart, the uh, Kentucky Athletic Director. We talked to him last night after the bracket came out, and he said that's that's exactly why Illinois and Michigan flipped. That's why Illinois got the third one seed and Michigan got the fourth, just based off that game alone. Um, And so getting that fourth number one seed, it's great to get a number one seed, no question. Um, but uh, getting the fourth one puts you in the, the toughest bracket. And if you look at these brackets, it's not even close. Uh, there's danger games all over the map, in my opinion, for Michigan in that bracket. Even starting with the number with the second game against LSU, who looked very good in the NC, yeah. in the SEC tournament. But you go down that you go down that bracket, and you could see. I mean, you see a team like Colorado, you see a team like Florida State, even Georgetown, the way they're playing. You see, you know, what happens if somehow they play Michigan State again or Texas, a team on the run, you know, or and then Alabama. I mean, Alabama is a team playing really well and uh, was under consideration for the number one seed. Um, uh, but um, Mitch said that it was just a little bit, a little bit of a gap between Alabama and Michigan. And so Michigan ended up getting it. But Alabama is a dangerous team. I mean, you look at the other three brackets and I don't think that. You're always going to get the tougher bracket when you're the fourth number one seed, but man, the disparity, um, just looking at it from, you know, quick glance, the disparity here is a tough road to the final four. Well, I don't, I don't think Illinois has an easy road either. I mean, that second game they could play Loyola Chicago. Right. I mean, that's well, yeah, they're a tough, that, tough team for Georgia tech. And then Oklahoma state is, they could face them in sweet 16. Oklahoma state shouldn't be a, a four seed at all. Um, they're and Loyola they, Chicago they should, and Loyola should be an eight. I mean, Loyola, right, right. For, yeah. so, I mean, Loyola like, for a mid-major, that's a, it's a tough one, too. Yeah, so they have a tough road going out there, too. But, but yeah, definitely for Michigan, there is – I mean, there's not going to be easy games um, after this after this first-round game. I mean, like you said, they could play LSU, who can score as well as any team in the nation, but on the other side, they, they're not great defensively. Well, they're not, and then, you know, they're an undisciplined team, and, and you know, but undisciplined teams sometimes can be a little dangerous in March because uh, – you know, if they if, if if everything goes right, they're just a dominant team. So, um, but you know, it's it's a tough road. There's no question, right? But yeah, um, and then I mean, Saint Bonaventure too. I mean, it seems like I think it seems like a lot of people are just assuming LSU to win. But I mean, Saint Bonaventure, they're obviously the the best team in the Atlantic Ten. They they're a pretty good defensive team. I think they're like top six, top seven, or something in the nation in in, in a scoring defense. So that's not going to be an easy out either if they get them. And then. Um, like you mentioned, after that, um, you could have Florida Florida State looming. Um, I mean, that's that's a Leonard Hamilton's teams are always just deep and tough and physical, and, and that's not going to be an, an easy matchup for Michigan. I don't think. Um, I guess when we had to do our our predictions, like instantaneously, you know, right after the yeah. draw. Um, I I mean, I have Michigan reaching the Sweet Sixteen, but I, I mean. I have I, I have them losing to Florida State just because I feel like they have the depth. They just keep rolling dudes out. It was, I mean, you kind of saw it when Michigan played them in the in the Elite Eight, you know, a few years ago. Um, they had kind of had that ten deep rotation. Um, they just keep kind of bringing waves at you. And I mean, obviously Michigan won that game, but um, I mean, obviously with you know Michigan being down a starter and you're playing a team that's maybe deep and has NBA talent, you know, a projected you know top fifteen pick and Scotty Barnes coming off the bench. Um, I, I just think that could be a, a tough matchup for them. Um, but yeah, it's it's a not an easy draw, and I I mean obviously that's what you would you would expect for being the the weakest of the uh, the four number one seeds. Yeah, well you you mentioned it. Michigan's down a player, and uh, we're gonna get out, we're gonna touch on that here in a little bit. Uh, but first, uh, I spoke uh, right after the brackets came out Sunday night. 
uh, spoke with Oakland basketball coach Greg Campy. Uh, he joined us on the Michigan State version of this podcast, and as well as this one, because he has a unique perspective. His team played both Michigan and Michigan State, and his team almost beat Michigan. I still argue that he had a chance to win that game in regulation if he would have fouled and gone for the last shot, but whatever. Uh, you know, that is what it is. But uh, they took uh, Oakland took Michigan to overtime early in the season. Um, so I caught up with Greg and we spoke about Michigan as well as the rest of the bracket. And here are the highlights of that conversation. All right. We're joined now by uh, Oakland men's basketball coach Greg Campy, who chimed in earlier this week on the Michigan State Road to uh, uh, through the bracket. Now he's going to talk a little bit about Michigan. Again, unique perspective from from Greg. You guys played them as well. You took uh, Michigan actually to overtime. Uh, should have beat him in regulation. Uh, I gave you some coaching tips on, on how you could have done that. And uh, so we've come to agree that you should have beat them in regulation. But that that was the start of Michigan's kind of rise. Um, that was the Hunter Dickinson coming out party. Uh, but Michigan now a number one seed, the fourth number one seed. Uh, they open up at uh, three o'clock on Saturday against one of the play-in teams, one of the 16 seeds. Uh, Greg, an interesting situation with Michigan. This is a team that really dominated throughout the season. Uh, but now uh, they've got some adversity. They've lost three of five, including a game, uh, you know, the Big Ten tournament to Ohio State. They lost to Michigan State the season finale. They did win the Big Ten championship, but now no Isaiah Livers. And I don't know, I haven't seen anyone outside of the, of the real big blue blood slappies that are giving Michigan much of a chance to, uh, to make a long run here. And I guess, what, how do you see it playing out? Well, I think you're right. I think the Michigan people believe that they're going to, that uh, Livers is going to be back for the Sweet 16, and 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 they should think positive like that. Um, I I'm probably the only guy here that's shocked that they're still a number one seed. And the reason I say that, Tony, is what we've always been told as coaches, and as you prepare for an NCAA tournament, that you know playing well at the end of the season is a big uh, decision maker in that conference room when they seed. And then also availability of players. And so I, I, I was expecting to see Michigan, like that Texas team I talked about in the other podcast, I was expecting to see them drop. I thought they could drop all the way to a three. And uh, how naive was I? Because, you know, they, they lose three of their last five. And they lose, I think, their best player. I mean, I think, I think the kid's a pro. Uh, I don't think there's any question that Isaiah Livers has turned himself into a pro and he was the heartbeat of that team. And I told you this when we talked earlier in the week, I said that that team reminded me of a a Dean Smith team, uh, the famous coach at North Carolina. I know a lot of young people don't know who he is anymore, but he's one of the all-time greatest coaches. And his whole way of coaching was we're going to play hard, we're going to play smart and we're going to play as one and playing as one is what I think Michigan did this year. I thought they were, they were a team synchronized in just ball movement and one player this night, one player in Wagner one night, you know, Smith one night, uh, the transfers from, uh, the, I can't think of his name. Now, Shondi, but, Shondi Brown um, and then Smith. Yeah. Right. Brown. Um, they just, they just took, Turns. Their defense was synchronized and they just, they were as one. And when you take a team like that and take out a central piece of it, I think they're in trouble. Um, if you had, you know, 
say a Michigan State team where uh, the point guard uh, Cassius and you know was such a dominant player, and then you lose one of those other good players, I think that's different. But when you're a team that that is predicated on unselfishness and ball movement and everybody, you know, I think that losing that piece is going to hurt them. What they have though, Tony, that nobody else has is Hunter Dickinson. Mm -hmm. And, but he's a freshman and he's never been there. And are you really going to put all your chips in on that? um, In a tournament that historically, if you're good inside, but you're not good on the perimeter, you don't win. And if you're good on the perimeter and you have a big that can score, that's when you really have a chance. And, you know, they had that. And now I think they've lost their best perimeter player. Uh, so I'm, I'm worried for them. I, I really am. Well, I think livers did, you know, livers opened up a lot of things for Smith too. And uh, I think you saw Smith's struggles in, in that semifinal uh, the other day without livers. I think that that's a problem. I think it's not just losing one player, but it's losing up the freedom for another player. And, and it's kind of a ripple effect. Um, which is unfortunate because they've been a joy to watch this year. Um, you know, like some of the, you know, like the playing is one thing that you mentioned. I mean, some of those games, they, the cohesiveness in, in just dominating some of those teams is so fun to watch. And, uh, but we did, again, we did talk to Mitch Barnhart, the uh, NCAA selection committee chair about Michigan as a one. And he made it sound like there was a pretty big gap between one and, and the next one down. Uh, he did say livers injury was considered. He said Alabama was, close ish, but he didn't, he didn't seem like it was a too big of a thing there, but you know, Michigan did drop down below Illinois um, to the fourth number one seed, which puts them in just a, I'm looking at this bracket here and it's just, I mean, it's brutal. Uh, I mean, you, you look at, you know, you could talk about Alabama. They're obviously with, you know, Nate Oates is their coach. I mean, they obviously are playing really well, but I mean, even the Florida state in there or the Colorado playing well, or even Georgetown with the role they've made, but then you have LSU could be their number, their second round matchup and how well they played in the sec tournament and tough team. And this is just a brutal path for Michigan. Well, by far the, the hardest bracket. I don't think any other bracket is brutal. I mean, I think if you look at Gonzaga's bracket, you're thinking that, you know, somebody wanting Gonzaga to be the national champion. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just, it's, it's unbelievable how tough this bracket is. Um, and then you stick Michigan state in the same bracket with them. You know, you, if, even if Michigan state did make that run, then you've got that fierce rivalry against them. I, I just, just don't see it happening. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, obviously I think people know that I'm, I love Michigan. I've been in the state for a long time and I cheer hard for the Michigan teams, but just honestly, I just, just don't see it. Uh, I just can't. And, uh, Maybe, maybe they'll surprise us all and, and somebody will step up and Hunter Dickinson will be the best player in the tournament. And uh, A lot of great things could happen for him, but it's not sitting real well. I find it hard to believe, though, that he said that about the difference between Michigan and Alabama because Alabama won the SEC regular season and then they won the tournament too. And boy, that's hard. That's really, really hard to win a regular season and the tournament, especially in a power five conference, unless you're really a top four or five team in the country. So that was interesting to hear that he said that. I think, I, I think a lot of it does go to the respect that the big 10 is going to, is getting this year. Um, I think that uh, that plays into it a little bit, um, but you know, who knows? We'll, we'll see. Um, last thing about Michigan, Jawan Howard, his first time in the tournament since he was a player with the fab five. Um, 
he uh, the the game against Maryland in the Big Ten opener where he uh, he lost his mind against Mark Turgeon. Uh, what did you make of that as a coach who isn't known for for being overly um, calm on the sidelines yourself? I'm just curious what you made of that. I personally loved it. I love when you know I I, I love when coaches show the emotion. I just think that there's you know I mean there's a time and a place for it for sure, uh, but I liked it. What did you think? Well, I don't know the story, and I've tried to find the story out. And they I have both have different stories. <laughs> right. I don't want to put Saudi in that situation uh, because I, I know if he told me that, I'd leak it. And I don't, I don't want to put him in that situation, so I haven't talked to him. I have heard around through two or three different people what basically happened. And uh, I know Maryland's not real happy with Michigan, um, so I've heard it from that side. Um, and based on all that happened live in front of people, there had to be a lot of happen and go on that people don't know about because it would never get to that over something little. Right. There is a longstanding something there, uh, that, that eventually, you know, I'll know what it is. Uh, but right now I don't. So well, well I thought it was hilarious to watch happen. I, I mean, I've, I've been there. I've, I've done that. <laughs> Uh, I was a much younger coach at the time and he's, uh, you know, he's in the infancy of his coaching career and what happened, he'll learn from it. And, uh, you probably won't see that again from him. Uh, I think that the repercussions of it probably, uh, weren't good for him. Uh, but I think he believes what he did was right. Cause when I went through something like that, I knew what I did was right. And as I got older, I realized it's not worth it. And, uh, so I'm sure he'll learn that. And, but it was great to see. I mean, from, from my standpoint, I, I loved it. I Like you said, I, you know, I, and I guarantee you this, Tony, his players loved it. Right. That's you know, all that matters. Players, that's what matters. Yep. Yep. His players loved that. Just as Maryland's players love Turgeon charging down there, too. Right. I mean, they're both sides <laughs> of that. We're in Michigan, so we're looking at our side of it. But right. those Maryland players, you know, I, I think – I think you'll see them play very well their first game in this tournament. Yeah. What was the biggest game you ever got kicked out of? Um, I got kicked out of a Division II NCAA tournament game. That's probably, you know, I mean, nobody would consider that big compared to Division One, but in that day it was huge yeah. for us. Right. Um, my best kickout story, though, was we were playing Arizona and uh, Bill Walton <laughs> had the game. <laughs> and I got thrown out of the game and on my way to the locker room, he yelled out, you got to stay here. If I got to watch this crap, you got to stay here and watch this crap. And you could see Alton doing that. Oh, that's classic. All right, Michigan, how far do they get? Then you're obviously not too confident. Um, they'll obviously get to the second, you know, the second round, but I think LSU is a problem there. And, if they could be on that, Florida State or, or any of, or Colorado could be, or Georgetown could be. It's just so brutal. How far do they get? I don't think they – I personally – oh, I don't want people mad at me for saying this, but I don't – if I had to bet money, you know, if I had if I had my reputation and, and my loyalties were thrown out the door and my reputation, I don't think they get to the second weekend. But, uh, I hope they do. I really do. I just – I don't – I'm not a big LSU fan and I'm not a big fan of some of the things that have gone on and, and that down there. 
But boy, watching them today, uh, you know, Tim McCormick said this on a show I was on with him that he liked the matchup because uh, LSU is an undisciplined basketball team and Michigan is a disciplined team that will defend. And he might be right. I look at it the other side is they're an undisciplined team where the pressure won't hurt them and they'll go for the jugular. And I, I could see, I could see that going wrong that day, but I hope Tim's right. All right. Well, for just a disclaimer, of course, you would never bet on college basketball. So even though you make betting references, you would never do that. And now that you have Michigan not getting out of the first weekend, they're going to cancel their series with you. So you just cost Oakland a crap ton of money on that front, too. So you got to watch what you say, Greg. Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> you know me, I'm an honest guy. and uh, <laughs> People listen to this and they want to know. So I'm going to tell them what I think. And I'm sorry. I, I, I'm hoping that Michigan, Michigan State playing the Elite Eight. I think that would be the coolest thing ever. And I'd be, I'm cheering hard for that. That would be cool. Yeah. Don't yeah, bet, don't bet the farm. <laughs> no, don't bet the farm right. on that. All right. As with Michigan State, uh, which you can check out that podcast as well that I did with Charbonneau. But uh, as with Michigan State, we will hold you to all of these and we will uh, make sure that uh, we uh, rub it in your face if you're wrong. Really quickly, your final four pick for this year. Okay, but remember, if I'm right, have me back on and I can gloat about that. Okay, okay well, we did that. Well, you know, the funny thing is we had Matt Ishbia on three weeks ago before when Michigan State had no pulse. And Matt Ishbia guaranteed at that time that Michigan State would make the NCAA tournament, to which Matt Charbonneau and I laughed for about 20 minutes before we, you know, we followed up on that. Uh, but we said, okay, well, if you're right, we'll have you back on so you can gloat. And he came on last week and, and gloated for – 20 minutes. And it should. That was a hell of a prediction. It was a hell so of a prediction. My final four is a little bit. Go ahead. My final four is a little different than everybody's, Tony. I got Houston. I got Ohio State. I got Gonzaga. And I got Alabama. I just really liked Alabama. I, I, Nate Oaks is a good friend, and it's a hell of a story, and I want them to win. It's probably not a smart pick. I think Houston's the Michigan state that isn't this year. And what I mean by that is Michigan state got to all those final fours when they weren't supposed to because of defense and rebound and boy can Houston defend and rebound. And they got a guy that can make shots. You know, they got, they got a big kid that can make threes, get to the rim. Um, So I really like their chances and they're a number two seed. It's not like they got to come through a lot. Um, And then I, the upset of the tournament, North Carolina is going to beat Baylor. Okay. So it, those are my weird predictions. And it's a different Final Four probably than most people have. And then I'll oh, also tell good. you this. Yeah, I'll tell you this. The two, the surest bet in the tournament, Winthrop's going to beat, um, oh my God, Winthrop's going to beat Villanova. And that's because. You know, Villanova's in trouble. They got their best player out, and Winthrop's really good. And there's that 5-12 match that happens every year. Right. So there's the, there's the bet. If you want to win your bracket <laughs> in your family bracket, that's the bet to take. Yes, and if that one busts your bracket, Campy will personally reimburse you for all your expenses. Um, and then up to your five dollars. <laughs> up to five dollars. Um, but uh, so in the final four you have, but in the championship game, I think you said Gonzaga and Ohio State. You're interesting about Ohio State, yeah. but you like how they're playing now, which is fair. 
they went through their rough stretch, and it's all about how you're playing now. Um, but in that game, you like Gonzaga as most of the Western Hemisphere does. Well, Gonzaga's got three pros, and they got a guard, and they've got bigs. And that's how you win in this tournament. You win with guards, and you have to have a good big. And that's why I like Ohio State, because their guards are playing great. Dwayne Washington is really playing good. And the left-hander, I can't think of his name because I don't remember names very well, Tony, but he's playing great. And then they've got Liddell in there, a big that can score. He can step out and make threes. He can score with his back to the basket. He can spin on you. He can drive you. And I just think that they're, they're, they went through this tournament, they won in overtime, and they lost in overtime. And I just think that they're ready. Very good. Well, you heard it there. Greg, with all the Greg Campy, Oakland men's basketball coach, with all the answers, uh, we will uh, we will definitely have you back on to either gloat or make fun of you, one of the two things. But we appreciate you joining us, Greg. Enjoy the tournament. And it's golf season's almost here, so uh, get the sticks ready. All right, Tony. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. He said a lot, um, but I mean, his I mean, the quote that stood out is they're in trouble without livers. Um, he says, you know, he says livers is their is their pro. Um, he's their he's their you know, he's their guy. And uh um it's a big loss. I mean, I know he said all the right things about, you know, who knows, maybe he'll come back, but I don't think anyone's banking on him coming back. Um, and and without him, I mean, just a horrific break for Michigan. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's it's not gonna be easy to replace your your top three point shooter, top three point shooter, and you know. The one guy who maybe has, you know, some of the most uh, the most experience in, in, you know, at this time of the year for uh, the NCAA tournament. And uh, obviously he's the second leading scorer and he's a he's a two way threat gets it done on both ends. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough, a tough hole for them to fill. But um, I guess on the the one positive spin for all this is that, um, I mean, obviously he unfortunately went through these injuries or, you know, injuries last season where he missed the 10 games. I mean, this isn't going to be you know anything new for Brandon Johns to to step in and kind of fill the role. I mean, it's not going to it's not going to be a deer in the headlights um, in any sense. And as we saw last season, I mean, Brandon stepped up and came through in uh, in several key moments. I think there was um, he didn't you know wilt under the the bright lights or the big stage. Like I think one of the best performances he had last season was at Madison Square Garden when they played Rutgers. I think he scored like twenty points or something to help them pull that game out. But uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously. Losing Isaiah is huge just, just for Michigan's depth and in terms of their rotations, um, just because you're going to be having probably Brandon come off the bench or if Michigan wants to go with a three-guard lineup with moving Shawnee Brown into the, into the starting lineup, you're going to lose you know, one of your key guys um, coming off the bench no matter, no matter what happens. And, I mean, if you just kind of look at how Michigan was playing um, kind of down the stretch most of the year, uh, they were really leaning on just basically an eight-man rotation with you know, their starting five. And then with Austin Davis coming off the bench, Brandon Johnson coming off the bench, and Shawnee Brown coming off the bench. Um, so now, I mean, obviously with Isaiah out, you're gonna you're gonna probably be leaning on Brandon and Shawnee Brown to to play more minutes, and then you're gonna be relying more so on maybe a, a guy like Terrence Williams, the, the freshman, to kind of come in and give you some minutes. Like, and and Michigan turned to him late there in the in the Big Ten tournament semifinal loss to Ohio State, um, and he gave some good minutes. So I mean, you're gonna need you're gonna need several people to collectively step up and help help fill that role. Um, but I mean, yeah, obviously losing losing Isaiah, I think certainly uh, lowers Michigan's ceiling for what they can uh, accomplish this season. Just because what he does for their offense, I mean, he just opens up so much well, that's, um, yeah, for yeah. their offense. Well, that's the key. I mean, it's not just about the, the numbers he's going to put up and the three pointers he's going to make, but uh, the spacing it creates for a guy like Smith, uh, you know, to to get his to get his looks. 
Um, and you, you know, and just so happened you saw him have a, a rough, a rough performance, um, you know, without livers. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting, you know, it, it's just about guys who step up in the tournament. Now it's, now we've seen it before, you know, guys have their moments in the tournament and, and just rise to the occasion. And I think it's going to be on Hunter Dickinson to do that. Um, and somebody else from Michigan, um, you know, and I, I don't think you write them off, um, but, uh, it's just unfortunate because where they were three weeks ago to where they're two weeks ago, even to where they are now. Um, it's, it's just, it, it's a little deflating. Uh, and, uh, you know, but you know, sometimes it's these type of teams that make the run in March that the teams that people forget about and overlook, um, you know, there's so much hype on Gonzaga and Baylor and, and Illinois even. Um, but, uh, you know, people forget Michigan, you know, they're pretty good. They're still pretty good. So, uh, they're actually still the bet. They're still the betting favorite over Illinois to win a national championship. Michigan six to one. Illinois is just behind them at thirteen to two. Gonzaga, of course, is the favorite. Uh, but uh, they're still a good team. I mean, you know, they didn't they didn't compile this resume by accident, and it wasn't all Isaiah Livers. Um, yeah, no, I mean they certainly still have the pieces. I mean, you can even make the case that they've already won without Isaiah. I mean, in the in the Big Ten, you know, tournament quarterfinal game, their their opener. I mean. Isaiah played 15 minutes. Yes, but he was, he didn't score and he was clearly not himself. So, I mean, you can make the argument that Michigan has already beat a, an NCAA tournament team without him. Um, so, I mean, that kind of says something. And, and obviously what they were able to do uh, in, in the game against Ohio state, like late in that second half, they, they didn't have Franz Wagner or Isaiah livers for the final five minutes and they're down 13. I think people were just expecting oh, Ohio state to just kind of pull away and put a fork in Michigan, but then, uh, I mean, somehow, so the way Michigan made that made that late run, and they, you know, they cut it to one, and they had a chance to win it. So, um, I mean, yeah, they can certainly. We, can still, we can we talk been. about that? Can we talk about that last possession? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was such a thrilling finish to get to that point, and then just this dud of a final possession for Michigan. It was just like, oh, so exciting five minutes, and then it's just like, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, I mean, Juwan said several times he got asked about it. He said they got the shot they wanted. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, in that situation, I think, what was it, 28 seconds left, and then you dribble dribble it for 18 seconds. And, I mean, if you watch the sideline, he clearly wanted them to go at 10 seconds because that's when he motions for, for Hunter to come up and set the screen. But, um, I mean, I just don't know how you don't at least let Hunter touch it but in that exactly. scenario just because he he was the one carrying them or, you know, he kind of led that late comeback there. Um, I mean, yeah, I think you just got to let him get it. So, I mean, either he could go to work in the post and, you know, maybe draw a foul or score or if he draws, you know, another defender to, you know, to kind of kick it out and get an open look. But I just think the, the whole thing is just how late they went. They just wasted time. And I think, you know, Mike Smith made his move with only a couple of seconds left and they just didn't give themselves a chance to even get a rebound or get the second shot. Um, I think that was just the, the part about, it. I mean, it, but I mean, obviously that's what, you know, Juwan said after the game, he wanted um, he wanted to make sure that they got the last shot in Ohio State. Uh, if they scored, I guess that Ohio State wasn't going to get a chance to to respond. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know how they don't get Dickinson to touch the ball in every possession, especially now. Uh, he's going to be massive um, moving forward in this tournament. And, and you wonder how a freshman is going to respond. I mean, he's responded all year long. Um but this is uh, this is different. This is the this is the brightest of the bright lights. So it'll it'll be interesting. Uh, I haven't done my homework, so I didn't see how, where you have them going. Uh, I haven't read everything. 
there's so much coverage on DetroitNews.com, so check it out. Um, but I haven't read the predictions. So where do you have Michigan uh, and, and I guess Michigan State going um, in this tournament? Uh, I, I have Michigan making the Sweet 16 um, and losing to Florida State, like I said earlier. Um, I think I was the one who's predicting them to go um, the shortest distance, I guess, and then not make yeah. it as far. I think, you know, our colleagues, Matt Sharp, no, Bob Wojnarowski and John Neo, I think they all are projecting them to make it to the Elite Eight, um, where they're probably going to fall to uh, um, yeah, Alabama more than likely. Yeah, yeah. yeah but um, I, don't, I just think Florida State's going to be a tough match. But I know, like, the ACC is maybe down just because, you know, Duke and North Carolina aren't, you know, as the, you know, the dominant forces that, they're, that they normally are. But um, I have them making it to the Sweet 16. Um, but, I mean, I, like I said, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to make the Elite Eight. I mean, I'm not – I mean, I think it's always you – know, it's just always funny to make these predictions, like, instantaneously. I mean, anything can happen, um, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I had them making the, the Sweet 16. And, and who knows? Maybe the bracket will fall apart. Like, when in 2018, when Michigan made it to the title game, they get, like, every break went their way. Like, well, every, yeah. every, like, higher-seeded team just, like, drops. So, that, yeah. that's possible. You never know what could happen. No, it's um, March. March is crazy and it's unpredictable. And especially this year, I mean, it's as unpredictable as ever. I mean, there's there's bracket busters. And this year, you know, a team could come down in COVID and bust a bracket. You know, who knows? I mean, it's it's not just about the games on the court. It's about, you know, the medical issues and the science. And, and you know, I, I believe we're going to have at least a team or two probably not be able to move forward at some point in this tournament. So who knows? You know, a team catches a break like that. And uh, you never know what's going to happen. So, uh, did you pick a Final Four or no? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, if I'm put on the spot, I I'm guess putting I you on the spot right now. Yeah, I'm putting okay. you on the spot. My apologies. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'll probably take I'll probably take Gonzaga in their bracket just because they've already beaten some of the top seeds in that bracket. So uh, they kind of had a, a very favorable draw, I think. Um, well, as a number one seed, you normally get that as the top one, but but this again, and as the bottom one, you get the toughest one, but. I mean, it was just clearly an easy bracket compared to Michigan's very disgustingly difficult bracket. It was it was eye opening, um, and that's why I mean Gonzaga should roll. Although, if they do meet Iowa again, um, I, I think that will be an, a very interesting game. I know they met earlier. Um, I, I if Luca Garza is dominating, it's tough to beat that team too. I mean, Iowa's playing better defense too. Right. I mean, that was that was early in the year when Iowa wasn't playing any defense, and that that was kind of been their their led to their late surge or whatever. I mean, they kind of found something defensively to start playing more man to man, so they're better now. So it should be a different matchup. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, All right, so, so you got Gonzaga in that one. You got Gonzaga yeah. in that one. Uh, the South. Uh, I guess I'd take Baylor. Um, I mean, they they could get in trouble in that second round game. Uh, against if if they get North Carolina because North Carolina has size and they the best offensive rebounding team in the nation. So they could face trouble there. Yeah. That was um, Campy's, uh, that was Campy's uh, upset of the, of the tournament. He has, he has yeah. North Carolina beating Baylor. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not high in Ohio state as the two seed just because uh, Ohio state, they've just been faltering down the stretch. Like they have, but they've turned it, they've faltering. turned it around a little bit. Uh, they have, they, but I mean, you can't, you can't keep dodging that bullet every time. No, it's going to no, right. bite you eventually. Right. Um, so I guess I'll just take Baylor in that one. Um, in the Midwest, I'll take Illinois. I think, I mean, obviously Illinois is probably one of the hottest teams in the nation right now. Right. Um, they're on an absolute roll. Um, so I think they'll probably get through that. I mean, um, although they could face, like I said, I don't think they're going to 
I don't think they're going to destroy the competition by any means. I think they're going to have a tough road, but I think just the way they're playing right now, um, I think they'll be able to make it all the way. Uh, yeah. And then for Michigan's bracket, um, I'll probably have to go with Alabama because just like Illinois, they're probably uh, probably the second hottest team in the nation. Right. Um, they've been on a roll and they obviously won the SEC tournament title. Um, so I guess I would pick them to maybe emerge out of uh, out of the East region. Well, it's March. It's all about how you're playing. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've seen this before where teams have struggled during the regular season and, you know, and, and turn it on in March. And you're seeing that with a few teams. And uh, I like the Alabama pick. Um, uh, I think Illinois, if they get by, uh, if Loyola Chicago were to win that game, and, you know, that's a that's an emotional matchup between Loyola and Illinois. That's a backyard brawl. Um, and, uh, and Loyola got shafted with an eight seed. I'm sorry. And, um, and so, and then, and in turn, Illinois got shafted to having to play Loyola Chicago as an eight seed. So if that, if Loyola does end up beating Georgia tech, so I think that's a game to watch, um, big time. So, uh, that could totally bust that bracket. Um, so we'll see, uh, we'll see how that, how that goes. Um, so you went chalk on three of the four, which is fine. Um, I, I, I tend to believe that this has been such a weird year that there's going to be, uh, I, I think Gonzaga to me is the only one seed that is, uh, is a lock. I, I think they're almost a lock to make the final four and, and as much of a lock as there can be. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, we'll see. I just, I just wish the big 10 would just win a damn national championship already. It's only been 21 years <laughs> and this is the best team in the conference and they have, I would say four legitimate chances to to win it in this tournament. Um, so uh, hopefully they get it done. You like Gonzaga overall? Uh, I, I don't I don't know who I would pick. Um, honestly, um, like I said, I just think the way that Illinois is playing, they could maybe advance out of you know that one and maybe face Gonzaga, but. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I would just have to pick Gonzaga. I think it's it's them and everybody else, right? So right. um I mean, yeah, I guess it's you can't really bet against them just with how loaded and stacked their their roster is. Um yeah. I guess I would have to uh if you're pressing me, I guess I would have to have to pick them to to win yeah. it all. But I think every time I pick the team to win it all, it never happens. So I have you ever had, have you ever won an in bracket pool? No. Uh, I am horrible at, at predicting. <laughs> I won one. I think it was 2004. I won one. That was the only one I've ever won. Uh, so it's been a while. So uh, it's and this 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 bracket is is no easier no easier than the others. So, but it's the best time of year. We got college basketball heating up. We got opening day on the horizon. We got the Masters coming up. We got you know golf season. You know the weather's getting warm. It's the best time of the year, and it all starts. With March Madness, and who knows, Michigan just might surprise us all and, and make their way to uh, to Indy. Of course, everyone's making their way to Indy <laughs> this year. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, I think we'll, we'll call it there. James has a lot of work to do this week. Be sure to check out all our coverage at DetroitNews.com. We have podcasts. We have videos. We have stories. We have analysis. We got it all. So check it out there. And if you're so inclined, uh, why don't you sign up and be a subscriber? we got great deals going on all the time. Support local journalism. It's very important. I tell people all the time, you may not think so, but you will miss us when we're gone, especially the great coverage of James Hawkins on the Michigan Basketball Beat. 
You can follow him on Twitter at James B. Hawkins. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Farm1984. That is it for now. We will try to uh, do these podcasts as the uh, tournament progresses and as Michigan, uh, who knows, makes a surprising run. James, go back to work. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch up with you later in the week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.